I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. And we are back to the Roman Empire. Dun, dun, dun. And having good fun with it. We are uh, hop skipping. Excuse me, and jumping our way around history, but I do like to keep things mostly linear, so I figured it'd be a good opportunity to jump back in time and get some names that people knew and would be familiar with, and we have plenty of time to have fun with all sorts of historical errors as we move forward. But the Emperor Trajan, this is the time period when persecution becomes a little bit more philosophical. Now, why do I say that? Because it actually does hammer into the ideological framework that undergirds persecution. It's not just about a, hey, we don't like that guy or we don't like what's going on. It's an actual worldview issue. Now, the reason we even know this is because of correspondence with Pliny the Younger, not to be confused, confused with Pliny the Elder, his uncle. Pliny is the governor, at the time of this letter, is the governor of Bithynia Pontus, and he details some of the interaction that he is having and other area governors are having with the Christians. So... What makes Pliny's letter so awesome for us historically is that he goes to the trouble of laying out the crimes of the Christians. Dun, dun, dun. So you ready? Here's the list of Christian crimes. They meet weekly before daylight. <sighs> Can't possibly trust these meeting weekly before daylight people. How dare they? They pray to God as Christ. I'm sorry, pray to Christ as God. If I could read, we'd be all set, you know? Which would be, you know, standard biblical theology stuff, right? So they meet weekly before daylight, they pray to Christ as God, and they pledge to avoid wickedness. Now, what would Pliny define as wickedness that these Christians are seeking to avoid? You ready? They are pledging themselves to avoiding theft, various robbery, Adultery, lying, and fraud. Which, again, we've always said is <laughs> kind of loving your neighbor, isn't it? I mean, what would loving your neighbor actually look like? It looked like not stealing from him, not breaking into his house and carrying off his stuff, not sleeping with his wife, not lying to him, and not seeking to defraud him in any shape, form, or fashion. And then finally, they eat a meal together. So this is the grand crime against humanity committed by the Christians. They gather together weekly, pray to Christ, avoid wickedness, pursue righteousness, and eat a meal. <laughs> now for this, Pliny participated in the condemnation of Christians daily. Daily. It's one of the reasons he wrote to Trajan. He's like, I'm kind of tired of killing these people. I'm kind of tired of having to find them and root them out and, and do all of this. I don't want to play this game anymore. Instead, give me some instruction. Do I continue on with what I'm doing or no? So the hit list 
two biggies on the list would be Simeon, who was bishop of Jerusalem, and Ignatius, bishop of Antioch. So despite the people he was killing on a daily basis, we have a couple of big names, and that's where we're going to turn our attention today. Ignis Ign Ignatius. Ignatius of Antioch. He was a bishop of Antioch, which is in Syria. He is the well, is a disciple of John, according to some historical record, like Polycarp, who would have been a friend and contemporary. He actually was a student of John when he was younger. He was arrested for testimony and preaching. Now, if you want grand details, I just don't have them. That's what we're told. Because of his testimony to Christ, he was arrested. This would not have been been unusual again in Pliny's world. Pliny would have done this quite regularly. This would have been how the system of the day would, would have functioned and was functioning. So Ignatius is rounded up and he is guarded on his travels from Antioch through Asia Minor to Rome. And when they tell when I say they take the long way around, I mean when it comes to um, Ignatius here, they literally took the long way around. They arrest him in Syria and travel him through Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and do not put him on a ship, but apparently march him across what would basically be southeastern Europe until they can get him to Rome. They take the overland route to get him there, and that's just odd, I guess, but this enables Ignatius to engage in basically a massive preaching tour as well as letter-writing campaign that, he, that we still have to this day. It is still handed down to us. So he's traveling under guard, and in the process of this travel, he writes a letter to Ephesus, who was pastored by a bishop named Onesimus. He sends a letter to Magnesia, to Trollus, as well as to Rome. Now, why would he write ahead to Rome? I mean, he's going to get there. Why are we spending our time writing ahead? The answer is, he requested that they not ask for his release. Now again... We have talked about some of the miserable and awful things that the Christians had to had to suffer, had to deal with as the Roman persecutions would break out. Um, somebody actually asked me about the, the Nero one uh, today, and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, he actually sewed people into animal skins and then fed them to wild animals so that the animals would smell the like a deer hide and then go digging in. And yeah, that's a terrible way to die. That's some of the stuff that would happen in the Colosseum. That's some of the stuff that would happen in the Gladiator games. This is, this is not a nice and pleasant time to live. So it would not be unusual for the Christian church in Rome to request that some of these beloved pastors and elders of the church be spared some of these things and even be released. And in many instances, they were able to get that. So Ignatius requests, don't do that. And he does it in an interesting way. Pardon me, but I know what is best for me. Now I am starting to be a disciple. May I envy nothing 
seen or unseen in gaining Jesus Christ. Let fire and cross, struggles with beasts, tearing bones apart, mangling of limbs, crushing of my whole body, and tortures of the devil come upon me, if only I may attain to Jesus Christ. That was his focus. That was his hope. That was the longing. Now, Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you process this, Ignatius got just that. He was sent to Rome for trial, and according to history, he was fed to wild animals. Whether they sewed him up into an animal skin first, I have no idea. Whether it was during the Colosseum Games, I have no idea. But apparently, Ignatius dies at the hands of wild beasts. Part of his letter. I am the wheat of Christ. I am going to be ground with the teeth of wild beasts, that I may be found pure bread. Christian, this is the attitude we are supposed to carry into the world. This is the mindset we are supposed to have before Christ. I'm not telling you to long for death, and I'm not telling you to long for persecution, but I am telling you to prepare your heart and mind to handle difficulty and trials well. Because it is a mark of the Christian faith. It is a mark of the work of the Holy Spirit. And the preparation that we engage in is a mark of his sanctifying work in us. May we be found with the courage of Ignatius. May we be found with the resolve and fortitude to face whatever evils this world may throw at us. And to do so with a humble submissive heart, serving Christ and Christ alone. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good.